Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. It's just good to see all of you and be with you, whether you're in person or watching online. Today, we're launching a brand new Christmas series, just like Janith was talking about, uh, but it's called Captive Liberator. So were you as excited when you walked in to see a jail cell on our stage as I was last night? A bunch of you, right? You walk in, you're like, Christmas time. I see the trees and the wreaths. And then, ah, oh, all right, Frontline's trying something new. So I'm excited. I can't wait for this, uh, even though it doesn't feel Christmassy. You know, it, it really doesn't. Our series is called Captive Liberator. And the reason why we're going in this direction, the reason why we have a jail cell here, the reason we're going to interact with it all December uh, is because we often forget the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus was on a mission to set the world free. He was on a mission to liberate captives. So it's why we named it the Captive Liberator, because Jesus is the liberator of captives. That's what he is. That's who he is. It's just, it's how, that as he comes to earth, he liberates, he sets free, he rescues captives. But the reason we loved the title is it's also a play on words because Jesus didn't do it from super far away, some cosmic control room that he hit the button and now we're good. Jesus actually became the captive to liberate us. Jesus took on humanity. He took on our existence. He took on, uh, you know, took on flesh. It's like incarnation. Jesus became like us to free us. And so that's why we're talking about this all, uh, all December long. The next few weeks, we're going to be doing this together. But uh, something that I chose to talk about even at the top this morning was like, how, how many of you have a Christmas tree set up in your house? Christmas tree set up, maybe you're Christmas Eve people, you just wait until Christmas Eve and you scramble and you go to, you go to Meyer and you get some return tree that you throw up really quick. I don't know, whatever, whatever your tradition is, uh, we set up a Christmas tree in our home and it is a perfect metaphor for where we're going today and what we're actually talking about. So uh, Shane and I have been married for six years. We like, we're, we're real tree people, except last year because we had a baby do. So we're real tree people. We like going out and getting super dirty and dragging a tree for a mile and a half, looking for that tractor that's supposed to be helping. We love working with dull saw blades and all like that. That's fun for us, right? Uh, so we went out, we got a Christmas tree this year. As we're looking around, we can't find a tree that fits. Uh, so we became pre-cut people this year. That's what we became. We took the tree, they shook it out, bundled it up, took it home. And so we set it up at home and I hate decorating, okay? I hate decorating the tree. I hate doing the ornaments. I also hate the lights. How many of you have lights where you put up and they work when you plug them in ahead of time? And then as soon as they're up where you want them, they don't. That's my life every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, all of it. So here, here's the deal. Uh, we set it up in our house and I took on the liberty uh, to decorate this tree. You know, I, I didn't do ornaments. I know where my ornaments belong versus some of the other ones. Do, do, does your house work? Mine usually go in the back uh, of the tree that face the wall or the corner. Uh, the ones that don't look super great or nice, whatever. Shannon decorates, it makes it look beautiful. But while she was at work, I was like, I'll do the lights. 
Lights are easy, right? Famous last words, lights are easy. So I set up our tree and I, I start at the top. I put the star up there. I wind the lights all the way down. I get to the bottom, I plug it in and then this is what my tree looks like. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Man, I appreciate so much the nine bulbs that decided to do their job at the top, and I resented the other three strands that remained on that tree. Just ridiculous, right? It just makes me bad. So I go, I'm handy, I can fix this. You know, I Googled it, found out there's fuses. I popped the fuses out, put new fuses in, and that's the picture after changing the fuses. So I was not happy, I was frustrated, but here's the thing, this is why I tell you about you know, Christmas trees and why we decorate. We have a tendency, we, we love to decorate dead things and pretend like they're alive in our lives. I even have a slide for that. If you wanna write something down, you're like, wow, Merry Christmas. <laughs> we love to decorate dead things and then pretend like they're alive. Right, when I have leaves or, or when, I, when we put lights on it and decorations and ornaments and garland and all the other stuff, like when we put it on, it looks really good, but my tree actually looks like that last picture. That's what it actually looks like. It's, it's dead. It doesn't drink a lot anymore. It has kind of the slow fade. You know what I'm talking about? Every day you're like, is it falling? No, I'm pretty sure it was like that last night, right? It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, the branches are brittle. The needles are falling off. It won't drink anymore. Like th this tree is dead. It's seen way better days. It's only got bad days ahead of it, but we love to decorate it. We love to, to add things to it. Decorations, if you think about it, they're really just coverings. We, we love to cover up the deadness and celebrate what's alive, right? It's a, it's a tradition. It gets us excited. It gets us ready for Christmas, leaning up to it for a month. This is the whole premise of what we are actually talking about today because we, we do this in life a lot more than many of us are willing to give it credit for. We don't, we don't just wait for Christmas to decorate aspects and parts of our lives. We actually decorate parts of our lives all throughout the year, especially the things that are dead, the things that are struggling, the things that are broken, the things that are not right or not good or not happy or not solid or not the way that we would really hope, we decorate them. What do I mean by that? We, we cover it up. We put on a facade, we put on a happy face, we pretend like we're good, we use social media, what, whatever it is, we use things to convince everybody else, but if we're really honest, a lot of times we use things to convince ourselves that we're okay that we're not actually in bondage or we're not actually locked down. The reason we have this jail cell up here, which is so fun, come look at it after service if you want. The reason we set this up is because this represents our existence. This represents our experience, our humanity. This, this is how God sees us. When he sees us, he sees us locked in a jail cell in which we can't escape no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how much we try to fix it or numb it or buy our way out of it. There's nothing we can do that actually can set us free from our experience that has resulted from sin. So that's brokenness, that's pain, that's shame, that's guilt, that's decay, that's death. The things of this world in which we are trapped by, we remain inside the cell. And it's something all of us get, all of us understand, and all of us live it so regularly that honestly, we, we often just make the best of it. Or, or we deny it or we become ignorant to it, or we pretend like it's not actually our reality. So what do we do? We add decorations. We add lights and ornaments and colors and whatever. We add stuff to try and make it feel less like a prison cell when in actuality, our existence 
is a jail cell. And just like the movies, when you see somebody locked inside, they're, they're trying to escape. It's like no matter what escape plan we try, no matter what new idea, what new means of self-medication, what new distraction, no matter what it is, we try to get ourselves out and we fail every single time. It was so funny. Even uh, last night we had it set up, we had it decorated and, and all of it. And one of our team members came in this morning and she looked at it and she goes, needs more decorations. She was right. It was kind of sparse, but it, it illustrates exactly what we do. Even when it's like, okay, I'm content with this. I'm content with the decorations, the facade, the image that we have portrayed or gone after. At some point, somebody walks in or we walk in or we look in the mirror or we notice and we go, it needs more. We need to do more. We need to add more. Here's what's so funny. The most decorated holiday season of the year is Christmas. And it's built on the most undecorated character in all of history. His name's Jesus. Here's what Isaiah 53 says is there. As he's prophesying, here's the coming Messiah. Here's what he's going to look like. Here's what you can anticipate. It says he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Did you know the Bible says that about Jesus? Man, I, I read that like a long time ago and it didn't stick out to me. But obviously in preparation for today, here it's describing Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And we, not they, not everybody around him, but we held him in low esteem. The most decorated season, the most decorated time of year, the time where most of us put on this image, put on this facade, put on decorations. The reality is the one that it was built upon since the very beginning didn't show up with decorations. Why? Because Jesus was after something deeper. Jesus didn't want you to settle for a superficial type of freedom. Jesus wants you to experience true freedom true liberation from the bond and brokenness that sin and death create. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. And he doesn't just want it for, for a macro level, macro group of people. He wants it for you. He actually wants you to experience what liberation and freedom can be like on this side of death. So I don't know what brought you in today. I don't know why you came. I don't, maybe you've been here for a long time. Maybe today is your first day watching or here in person. Here's the thing. I hope God has something for you specifically today that can set you free from whatever it is you walked in, whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever it is that you want. I, I, my prayer for you has been that, that Jesus would unlock something for you today. But it requires your engagement. It requires your honesty for him to do that. So for those of you that think I'm already ruining Christmas, and there are some of you, <laughs> it's like, I gotta look at that jail cell for a month, yep. For those of you that, that, that think I'm ruining it, there's nothing inherently wrong with decorations. Go home, enjoy your tree. Enjoy your family, enjoy your house, enjoy all of it, but let it, let it serve as a metaphor for what, what am I decorating in my life in my heart, 
to other people around me and marriage or family, kids, relationships, or what, what am I decorating? What am I trying to compensate for that's actually going on? Because there's a real good chance that is the area that God wants to set you free. So just my ask for you today is just, just lean in. Uh, there's a cool story that we're going to read. It's in Mark chapter 10. There's a, a rich man. It's a, he's a rich young ruler, as the Bible calls him. And he did well for his life, probably started a business or inherited a bunch of money, grew it to be this big estate or empire or whatever. Like the guy was really successful by all measures of earthly success. But there was something not right, something not whole, something that he was still in bondage with. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Jesus basically says, do the Ten Commandments and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, I did, I did all of that. I did everything. And here, here's what it says. Here's Jesus' response. Mark 10, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and, say it with me, loved him. I, I love that Jesus looked at him because what, what I think it's saying is Jesus saw through the facade Jesus saw through the decorations. Jesus saw through the superficiality. Jesus saw through the image that this man was portraying. My life's good. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. Family's good. I do all the commandments. I'm very religious. Jesus saw right through all of it and loved him. Love generated this response from Jesus. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Let me, let me twist this story for you. Let me just change a word here. The man walked away sad because he had so many decorations. He walked away sad because this life that he had built, the image he had worked for, the reputation he had established, he walked away sad because he had decorated his jail cell to the way that he exactly liked it. He was perfect. No flaws. I mean, just imagine if you were in a jail cell for 100 years, right? And, and you just changed and twisted and put everything just the way that you liked it. You decorated it. You had nice posters or TV. You had Netflix rolling, your favorite show. He had created a life within prison that was perfect. It was exactly the way that he had set it up. All of the facade, all of the superficiality was perfect. Everything he had ever wanted, wished for, prayed for, dreamed for, he had it, but he was still missing something, and he knew, I'm still in prison. He says, Jesus, how do I get out of prison? How do I get out of here? And here's Jesus' simple response. Just walk out of your jail cell. Leave it behind. Leave the facade Leave the image, leave the reputation, be honest, come follow me. And the great tension of the story is the man was sad. He was given the key to freedom and he sat down in his cell. What is it for you? What is it as you walk in today that you go, this is my jail cell. This is the thing that I'm just trapped by. 
This is the thing that has shackled me. This is the cloud that has followed me. These are the thoughts that are always in my head. This is the anxiety or depression that I deal with. It's the pain from childhood or a broken relationship. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's hatred. What is it for you? What is the thing that you walked in carrying today that you go, I already know what it is. That's my jail cell. I just want to say the same thing to you that, that Jesus, you know, that the text said Jesus felt towards this man. Jesus sees you in your jail cell and he loves you just so incredibly much that he, he actually wants to unlock your cell for you. What, what is your jail cell? A couple others I put on here. Maybe it's greed. It's just, I, I need one more thing and one more thing and one more thing and I, I need a couple more dollars here and I need one more house here or a nice new car here or the new phone here or new clothes or new shoes. Maybe it's greed, just the desire for more. Maybe it's shame that no matter what you do or how many times you talk about it or how many times you don't talk about it, maybe it's just this thing that's like, it's always there and you can't get rid of it. Maybe it's some sort of perversion or addiction, or dependency, what is, what's your jail cell? Where are you just shackled? And then the second question is this, how are you decorating it right now? So if that's your existence, and if you know, okay, Jesus sees me in the pain, he sees me in the shame, he sees me in, in, in the broken situation that I find myself in, that probably we've created for ourselves. If Jesus sees me and loves me, what are you doing to make it look better than it actually is? I mean, do you, do you just numb it? Do you chase other things and people and relationships? Do you, do you numb it via Netflix and Amazon Prime? Do, do, do you numb it with work and throwing yourself into work or just, man, as long as my bank account's good or as, if we can just have one more kid, our family's complete. It, if it's compensating for something, a bigger truck or a bigger house or a, a retirement sooner, what, how are you decorating your cell to make whatever pain and bondage you are enduring right now a little bit more dealable? How are you decorating your cell? Jesus came in, not decorated, I mean, not attractive even, as, as Isaiah says. He, he just came in ordinary because he wanted to cut through all of the decorations and he wanted to speak right to the very thing that shackled you from your core. He wanted to set you free from that. So why do we keep defaulting to decorations? Why do we keep going back and go, okay, man, as long as at the end of the day, people think I'm good, then I win. Why is that our goal? Why has it been my goal? Man, I've sat with that, I mean, weeks going, what's my, why? Why do I do that? Or why do we do that? Or why, why do people do that? Uh, I got a, an invitation. So I went to Cornerstone University's chapel a few weeks ago. 
And uh, it's just cool what God's doing there and just on the campus and college students and man, just those that are trying to lean in and give their lives to the Lord. I mean, I just, I love being there. I love being there for chapel. And so I, I sit towards the back. That's pretty much what I do. Any gathering like this, like if I, if I didn't have to sit up front, I'd be in the back. So back people, way to go. So I sat in the back at Cornerstone because I'm like, nobody knows me. I, I don't have to sit up front. I sat in the back and there's a group of students right in front of me. And uh, it was a couple, couple girls actually that I could see and they, they were on their phones at like a point. It was like, the last part of the sermon. I was like, ooh, that hurts as a communicator, but I get it. So they're, they're scrolling and they're looking through and the app that I noticed that was on their phone is this app called Be Real. Have you ever heard of Be Real? Anybody in here that's heard of it? Anybody watch online? Okay, so a handful of people have heard of Be Real. Here's what Be Real is. For those of you that don't know, uh, Be Real is an app that is put on your phone. It's social media. It's kind of like Instagram. You take a picture. You have to take a selfie and then an outward-facing photo, but you have no idea what time that app is going to say, you have to do it now. That could get awkward, right? You just start thinking, like, there's plenty parts of my day that I don't want people to see. So here, here's what I'm seeing, like these, these, you know, women at Cornerstone, they're scrolling through and looking at these different photos. And it's not just a women thing. I mean, I, I've seen guys with it too. They're, they're scrolling through and it's, it says this, it's time to be real, tap me to continue. And so you have to go, like, this is, this is me. This is what I look like right now. This is what I'm doing right now. This is the setting, the, wherever I'm at right now. There's this genuine desire, especially in the younger generation right now, to be real to be seen as real, to be vulnerable, to be open, to say, I'm not playing the facade game. I, I, I just want to be real. I want to be honest. I'll show you the not good side of me. But here's what's funny. I'll tell you this, okay? 92 million selfies are taken every single day. Did you know that? 92 selfies are taken every single day. Most people take between five and 15 selfies before posting one. Enter guilt. It's like, oh. And 90% of people that post one on social media edit or filter their picture before posting it. Here's the thing. I don't think it's just a younger generation thing to want to be seen and be real. I think it's an all of us thing. I think they've just found an avenue to do that right now. I think all of us genuinely desire to be seen as we are when we're not good when we're not healthy, when we're broken, when we're hurting, when we're in bondage, when we're in pain, all of us have this deep-seated desire, like, somebody see me, please. Show me you care because it hurts, because I'm broken, because I'm painful, because I feel ashamed, because I feel guilty. All of us want to be freed from that. But then instead of moving that direction, we just decorate it and pretend like we're fine and put on an image and we kick the can a little bit farther down the road and we just try to move it down so that we don't have to deal with it. But it always catches up, doesn't it? Here's a, a season, my least favorite season in all of my life was in high school. Uh, we moved between my freshman and sophomore year. So I was at a brand new school. I was in Midland, uh, Midland, Michigan, uh, moved from Chicago, right? It's like, hmm, downgrade. So I went to Midland, didn't like it, didn't fit in, lonely as all get out. Our family really struggled. I mean, so I was, there was a lot of brokenness. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of anger. There was all of it. And so I, I hated high school. I was a kid, I'd be one of the first five people in line for lunch every day. Not just because I was hungry, because <laughs> I always was. I would get in line right away, I would get my food, I would sit down, I'd eat my entire meal in 30 seconds, and I'd throw my stuff out, and I'd walk away. I'd go to the counseling center or the library, because I hated sitting by myself. I was just lonely. 
hurting, right? It's, I, I had the facade, right? I'm fine, I'm good, I'm energetic, I'm fine. I, I maintained the facade so well that at the end of my senior year, uh, everybody votes. You know, I'm like the most likely, most likely to live in another country or most likely to drive a sports car or whatever, whatever it is. I won one. You wanna know what I won? Most enthusiastic male. <laughs> it, it should basically say, just biggest hypocrite, David Dorner. How funny is that slash sad, right? Not the funny, funny kind, but like the funny, like that's disappointing. That I maintained the lie and maintained the facade so much that it's, I hated the circumstances that I was living in, but I portrayed like it was great. It was, I fooled an entire class of my peers. We all do this. We fool coworkers, we fool spouses, we fool family members. I mean, how many of you posted a picture from Thanksgiving and you're like, woohoo, awesome food, great turkey, whatever. And deep down, you're like, I hate these people. <laughs> I'm just calling it out. Some of you, it's true. We just keep putting on this facade for what reason? You know what I think? I mean, the longer I sat with it, I, I think because it hurts. I think there's pain. I think there's still a genuine desire that we might actually be free, that we might actually experience love, acceptance, care. I, I think so many of us just want to be seen for who we really are, but we've portrayed this facade and put on this mask and we've decorated our lives so much so that we are afraid that someone might not recognize the difference between our decorated selves and our real selves. The best news I can give you today, it goes back to that story where Jesus sees the man, the rich young ruler, he sees through the entire facade and he loved him. He loved him so much. Jesus didn't come to save you from your, from, from your decorated need of a savior. He came to, to hit and to free you, to free you from the most broken part of your existence. And he did it for the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me that he sent his son not decorated, not frilly. I mean, the whole Christmas story is opposite what you would anticipate. You know, he's greeted by shepherds, not dignitaries. He's born in a little farm town, not the capital of Jerusalem. He's born in a barn, not a palace. Jesus cut through all of it because he wanted to redeem you, because he wanted to liberate you from the bondage that you are actually experiencing. This whole story, this whole series, all points to the person of Jesus. Something I hope you noticed as you walked in, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've been here a thousand times, but as you walk in in our lobby, you'll notice these giant barn doors right here and they're unfinished. Especially you detail people, it's like, ah, just finish the doors, finish the barn, paint them, put something on them, decorate them, make them look good. But we love it so much because it, it actually speaks to our identity, our DNA as a church is we're still unfinished. You don't have to decorate your way into salvation. It's impossible. You can't fake it. When you walk into this church, what we want is you to bring your real self. Bring your brokenness, bring your pain, bring, bring your addiction, bring your suffering marriage, bring your broken body, bring whatever it is, bring, wherever you're at, 
bring it. Don't cover it up. Bring it because that, the level that you're willing to engage and let Jesus in is the level that you'll experience freedom. So that's why if you go to our cafe, it's the OSB countertop. It's why the barn doors are unfinished. It's why you can see it because we're all in a work in progress. That this is a church on the front lines of the pain, of the hurt, of the sin, of the brokenness, of the, the hopelessness. We, we want to be on the front lines where that is hurting and at its worst so that you can invite your friends. Not because this is a church where you come and pretend like it's good. It's because it's a church where you can say, I'm struggling and you're welcome here too. I just do it with a microphone on. What's stopping you from saying, here's where I'm hurting. Why don't you come here too? Here's where I'm struggling. Why don't, why don't you come too? Neighbors, coworkers, friends, family members. As we think about Christmas, who needs to come and hear the good news of Jesus to actually be liberated from the inside out? Who actually needs that? I, Bob Goff has this great quote. He says, we plant sod where God wants to plant seed. He is far more interested in growing our character than having us look finished. Does that hit or strike a chord for anyone else? So often I'm focused on the quick fix, the quick problem, you know, that can go away, whatever it is, just plant sod, put it in front of the house so that the house looks finished. When in actuality, God's going, I'm after roots here. I'm after seeds. I'm after depth. I'm after life change. I'm, I'm after cultivating something that will change your existence, your experience, and your eternity forever. That's what God's after. That's his desire for all of us. But you have to decide which one do you want. Do you want the sod, the easy, easy finish, or do you want the seed, which is the depth of freedom and liberation that Jesus actually offers? So I'll go back to that first thing we said. We love to decorate dead things and pretend like they are alive. Where are you doing this right now? We love to decorate things, pretend like they're alive, pretend like they're good, pretend like they're happy, pretend like they're whole, pretend like we have no issues and no problems, whatever. We love to pretend that dead things in our lives are alive, but here's what Jesus likes to do. Jesus loves to resurrect dead things and make them alive. That's what Jesus does. If you will invite him, if you will allow him to do that in you. So here's a couple questions just as we close. Uh, the first one is this. It's the hardest one. Am I willing to get brutally honest about the decorations that exist in my prison cell? So for you right now, are, are you willing to get brutally honest? It starts with yourself. It includes God, people around you, trusted friends or mentors or counselors? Are, are you willing to be brutally honest about the decorations in my prison cell? It's a yes or no question. Uh, if yes, we can move into the next couple questions. If no, that's probably why you've been stuck. It's probably why you haven't experienced that change or that freedom that you've been after. But here, here's question number two. What are you in prison to right now? I've asked you maybe a couple times throughout this sermon, like, what, what is it? What's your thing? What's the thing that you, it's just, it's got you. Maybe it's got you entirely. It's like a bear hug and you can't escape it. Maybe, maybe it's this ball and chain that just everywhere you go, that's what you're dragging with you. What's your prison cell? What's the thing that has you 
grabbed right now. You just can't escape it. You can't outrun it. You can't, you can't get freedom from it. The last question is this. What decorations need to come down to let God liberate you? What do you need to stop? What do you need to start? Who do you need to share with how you're actually doing? Who do you need to be real with? What do you need to give away? Like Jesus said to that rich young ruler, what do you need to walk away from? What do you need to embrace? What do you need to throw out? This is such a loaded question. You may have to go in a thousand different directions. Maybe there's one that God's tugging on your heart right now. You need to share something with somebody. As we move into this next worship set, I mean, here's just my ask for you. Would you start by just being brutally honest with yourself and then to the Lord? As a reminder that God sees you in your brokenness, sees you in your pain, sees you in your present cell, and he loves you. Are you willing to step in so that you might experience the freedom that he has desired to give you since the very beginning of creation? I'd love to pray just to close out our time together if you wanna join. So Father, we just come before you just right now and we thank you that you are the captive liberator. We thank you that you love us so much, not as our decorated selves, but as our real selves, as our true selves, as our broken and painful and sinful and dying and decaying selves. Thank you for moving into ourselves, for, for understanding our experience, for understanding what we're going through, for, for dying for us on the cross. God, we're just so grateful to you. And I just pray right now, even for this room, I pray that we would carve out and create some space right now, Lord, just to be honest with you. That here's the thing that, that's just holding us. Here's the thing that has us locked. Here's the thing that has us bound. Here's the thing that we can't outrun. God, I, I just pray that we would be honest with you, that we would give you access to that place in our lives and hearts right now. Father, we just thank you that you are the captive liberator, that you want to dwell in that place in our hearts with us. So I just pray, Lord, that as we worship just these next couple songs, that we worship from a place of victory, that we know that you, that you fought for us, that you care for us, that you loved us, that you unlocked that cell, that you are the captive liberator, not just for the world, but also for us. And so I just pray, God, that you would do a work, that you would do something mighty and powerful from this group of people that loves you and experiences liberation that only comes from you. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.